This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, it's all about preparing an estate plan, preparing for the inevitable. It doesn't have to be a dark, gloomy thing. It can uh, give you some peace of mind. And we'll talk to the folks at Manning, Elliott, accountants and business advisors, all about how they can make it easy. But first, a look at some of the Vancouver Consumer headlines from this past week. Vancouver is getting four new controversial bathrooms. They're Portland Loos. Those are the space-age-looking standalone public bathroom structures that cost uh, starting at 150 grand each. They were originally designed by the city of Portland. Spokesperson for the Vancouver Park Board says two toilets will be located at Crab Park, one at Cooper's Park in Falls Creek, one toilet will be at Columbia Park near Oak Ridge. And the cost is what's caused a bit of controversy. That 150,000 bucks per washroom is just for the toilets. That doesn't include the uh, on-site costs like plumbing, concrete, landscaping. So a rough estimate for the four bathrooms will be about a million and a half plus. There are currently nearly 100 public washrooms under the park board's jurisdiction, costing about 25 grand each to maintain every year. That's about 63 bucks a day per washroom. But I guess uh, when you got to go, you got to go. Two Vancouver city councillors are trying to clear up the backlog for people in the city trying to get a permit. NPA councillors Sarah Kirby-Young and Lisa Dominato say whether it's homeowners or businesses uh, trying to get permits or uh, they're just getting frustrated uh, by all the delays. They add that all the red tape is leading some people to cut corners and do stuff without a permit. An independent study from last year showed that the average wait time for a permit or license in Vancouver is 8.2 months. And it was Elton John's 74th birthday a couple of days ago, and he celebrated by giving us a present. He released six very rare older songs to streaming services, including a piano demo version of a song called Scarecrow, which was the first song he ever wrote together with his lyricist, Bernie Toppin. And that's the guy he wrote all his great songs with, or most of them. So a bit of history there. It's a very raw version, just piano and tambourine. Elton said in a press release that Scarecrow will always have a special place in his heart because it's the song that started it all. And you can hear it now on Apple Music and Spotify. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Up next, it's all about preparing for the inevitable and why it's always a good time to get your affairs in order. It can be a positive thing and a good thing for your loved ones. And my next guest will make it easy. We'll talk to Abby Chivers from Manning Elliott. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Preparing for the inevitable. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And that that sounds kind of somber, preparing for the inevitable. But it doesn't have to be. Uh, With me now is Abby Chivers. She is a partner with Manning Elliott. Uh, They are consistently ranked in the top 10 of the biggest accounting firms in BC for the past five years. They've been around since 1952, serving Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. And uh, they can especially help people uh, with, uh, as I say, preparing for the inevitable, estate planning. And uh, Abby Chivers is with me. Hi, Abby. How are you doing? 
Hi, I'm very well. Thanks, Martin, for having me on. Great, great. Well, we were chatting before we went on, and uh, you're you're a bright, friendly person. And when people start talking about estate planning, uh, I'm guessing a lot of people probably try to avoid the topic occasionally when they shouldn't. Well, actually, not so much occasionally. It's the kind of thing that people don't really want to think about. Like, they just, it's hard for someone to sit down and go, okay, so what's, what's life going to look like for my heirs? Right. What, what do I want to have happen when I'm not here anymore? And I think the biggest thing is communicating, right? It's not being afraid to sit down with your family and have a conversation about what you what you want when you're not here anymore. And I think that it's just, yeah, it's just something that people really shy away from because they don't want to think about their demise, even when it's not necessarily so far away. But something that I think people should talk about even when they're younger, you know, like what... Where am I going? What's going to happen? Right. Because I, I always remember with my father, when my father passed away, it was in his late 80s. And, uh, and at, at the end, he was, he was happy to talk about uh, what, what would go on when he wasn't there. And, and you're, you're talking to your dad and you're like, oh, no, you're, <laughs> you're, you're never going away. But I think this is something people should think about a lot sooner than that, right? Oh, for sure. Because there's so many things that you can put into place, things you can think about ahead of time, and it gives you a chance to have that conversation with your family, because there could be things that you didn't know, you know, like, for example, if you've got um, uh, one of your kids working in your business, and you think, well, okay, I'm going to, you know, in your mind, thinking I'm going to leave everything equally. Let's assume there's no spouse. You're just going to leave your company to your kids. And one of the kids is working in the business, and they're going, well, wait a second. I'm going to do all this work, and my siblings are going to benefit from this. I'm not sure I'm on for that. So it's really important to have a conversation like that early enough so that you can figure out, A, if that plan that you had in your mind is the right plan, but also, have you got the right person in the business that's going to take it where you think it should be going into the future, right? You don't want to, you don't want to have somebody in place there that's not going to um, keep it afloat or might, you know, spend money irresponsibly. So all those kinds of things are, are things that you need to think about early. Right, yeah, it could, could be very complicated. Yeah, we're talking to Abby Chivers. She is a partner with Manning Elliott, uh, accountants and business advisors. You can go to manningelliot.com to get all the information. And we're talking about estate planning, uh, planning for the inevitable. And you just touched on uh, kind of a more complicated scenario for people, people who have a business and they want to pass that on to their kids or, or, or not. Uh, and we can kind of get into that maybe a little later. But what about for the typical person who needs... Um, to plan their estate, and I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but but, <laughs> but who who needs to 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 do some estate planning? Well, I think we all do. Yeah. I mean, we all need to think about what do we. So, the first thing that I would say is you need to make sure that you've got a will. Right. So that's kind of your starting point. You're gonna. Maybe it's going to be many years, let's hope many years before you pass away, but you've got to start thinking about it now. And 
with the assets that you have now, where would you like them to go? So maybe you're going to leave some money to your grandchildren, for example. Maybe you want to make a donation. So who are you going to have to be your executor? Those kind of things are actually something that's really important that really should happen soon. Because if, God forbid, something should happen to you and your spouse and all of a sudden your kids don't have parents around, who's going to look after them? Have you had a conversation about that? So these are the kind of things that should be considered even when you've got a young family. As you get later in your years, then you start thinking about where you're going to pass your wealth if you have more wealth. As I said earlier, you might want to make a donation to a charitable organization. Does your family know that you want to do that? What about, you know, your finances in general? And will, will there be a big tax bill when you pass away? Do people even understand how the tax system works when you pass away? And if you're not leaving assets to your spouse, you decide you're going to leave them to your kids, for example, there's, there could be a really big tax bill that you're not expecting. Well, for sure, your kids aren't going to be expecting. And so they may end up with less than they anticipated. Um, I had a situation, I mean, most people, if they have an RRSP or a, a RIF, uh, depending on your age, they would leave that asset to their spouse. And there's no tax when that transfers over. But I had a situation a number of years ago where a grandfather had decided to leave his grandson as the beneficiary of his RIF, which was fairly sizable. And when he passed away, the daughter came to see me and she said, so, you know, this is what's happening. And I went, oh my goodness. I said, that's a big number. That's going to be a lot of tax. She goes, well, why is there tax? Because, you know, the beneficiary was listed. I said, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. You have to, if you don't leave a registered plan to your spouse, there's tax almost all the time. And that was a significant surprise to that family because they had no idea that this was going to cause a tax bill. So you wow. need to make sure that you're in touch with a tax advisor, that you get legal advice. There's all these people that can help you to plan what you need to do and what you need to think about as you're going through the various stages in your life. Wow, that is a very concrete example of why <laughs> of why you need some good estate planning. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And that's why you should go to manningelliot.com. Uh, talk to the people there. Abby Chivers is with me now. She's a partner at Manning Elliott. Um, and so it sounds to me like uh, estate planning is, is, is a wide net of, of planning and it all starts, the sort of the core of it is the will. So let's, let's talk about uh, who needs a will. At what age do you recommend people start thinking about getting a will? Well, I would suggest... Um once you're in a position where you have some assets, like a, a, a young student or a new professional, probably that hasn't accumulated very much, so there isn't really that much for them to leave to somebody else. But even having a simple will, so let's say you get married, probably that's a good point to have a will, even if all it says is, I'm going to leave everything to my spouse, and the spouse's will says, I'm going to leave everything to my spouse. 
And that's the end of the story. At least there's no confusion if somebody dies, right? right? It's all written down. Certainly, once you've got kids, you need to make sure that there's something in your will about who will be the guardians of your children. So if, God forbid, something should happen and both of you are gone, have you had a conversation with the parents or the or the siblings or whoever it is that you think would be the best guardian for your children, have you had a conversation with them? Do you and your spouse agree who should be the guardian for your children? So so those two things, I think, are, are something that you'd want to consider even when you're young. But I have had, I don't know, in the last year or so, a number of people that have, you know, heard maybe a, a webinar or gone to come to a presentation, and they're probably in their 50s, or sometimes there was one couple in their 60s that didn't have wills, and I was shocked. But, I, you know, some people, as I said, don't really want to think about it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Well, I guess denial is, is, is a big thing. Uh, people, <laughs> denial of death. <laughs> yes, and it only works for so long, right? It's going to happen sometime. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a that's a fight you're going to lose. Yeah, Sorry, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're talking uh, estate planning and and wills, and basically, if if you're say say you're a married couple and you have a couple of kids and you don't have a will, what does does the does any asset immediately go to the spouse? Is that just a typical thing? You know, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't I can't really say exactly what happens. So I would just suggest that um, if somebody's in that situation, first of all, get a will. If you don't get a will, at least find out who would be the person that would inherit your estate. It would likely be your spouse. They would certainly have a claim on the estate, but it may not, it may have to go through the courts because there is no will. And then you have to have somebody um, be designated the administrator um, I had a sad situation where um, a couple's son died suddenly. He was fairly young, I think 21 or something. And so he wasn't married, didn't have kids, didn't have a will. And it took the parents, I think, something like nine months to get permission from the courts to administer his, his, um, his assets. Wow. So it's not worth it to not have one. It's just not worth it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'm getting here. Again, <laughs> that's what the vibe I'm getting is if you don't have a will and you have, you know, any kind of asset that's going to be left behind, you got to get a will. So, yeah. so that, I guess that can be the foundation of estate planning. And if people go to manningelliot.com, that can be the first step, right? What's, mm-hmm. what's the process to go and get a will? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things that you can, that you can, you know, put in your will. And, and as I said, you know, just having a conversation with your family about your wishes, things of, what about your personal assets, like your, your art and your jewelry and that sort of thing? Um, you know, some people really feel that it's important to have settings where everybody in the family may, um, put a sticky on the back of a painting or the bottom of a sculpture or a piece of jewelry and just say, you know what, sometime down the road, I really would love to have this. And then the people, who, who the, we'll call them the, 
the parents or even the grandparents will know what's of value to members of their family, they may decide to give those assets away before they die and enjoy the enjoy seeing their family enjoying what they've received. Um, but you can also put those kinds of things in your will. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got significant, like maybe you've got a grand piano, I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there. And, you know, you put that in the will to say who's going to get that so that there is no fighting over it. Yeah, so the, so the first step is to call Manning Elliott. Go to manningelliot.com and uh, get a will. And we're talking to Abby Chiver. She's a uh, partner with Manning Elliott. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about estate planning. And it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be painful. Uh, and uh, it can actually probably give you a little peace of mind. So we'll talk to Abby a little bit more when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking about preparing for the inevitable, estate planning with Abby Chivers. She is a partner with Manning Elliott. They are accountants and business advisors in Vancouver, consistently ranked in the top 10 for the past five years in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. They've been around since 1952. And, uh, Abby, we're talking about uh, sort of the foundations of estate planning and why it's so important. I mean, first off, we learned if you don't have a will, you got to get a will. Uh, but when it comes to estate planning, what, what kinds of information do you need to assemble to, to get that process going? What, what kind of things do you need? Well, there's a lot of information that you can put together that will help your executor ultimately and your family be able to manage when you're when you're not here anymore. I mean, there's simple things that um, that you don't even necessarily think about. Like, do do people in your family know where your will is? Let's assume you've got one. So, where is your will? Where are your bank accounts? If there is online access, where are the passwords? Right. If you've got property. Where are the keys? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you probably not not even thinking about out loud, but when you stop and think about it, there's just, you know, a whole list of, of ideas that you can spend time and, um, and a bit of energy assembling. So one of the recommendations that we've um, got is that you actually put together a binder, whether that's a paper binder or an electronic binder, that has all kinds of information in it. It's got to be secured somehow, obviously, but that it has your passwords, it has information about where your accounts are, it um, obviously would say where your, where your will is being kept. What about your, what about your burial wishes? Have you bought a plot if you, if you want to be buried? Have you bought a plot? Where is it? Is it paid for? Um, and things like um, copies of, even things like copies of your passport or driver's license or insurance policies. What about life insurance policies? If you've got them, does your family know you have them? And so how will they be able to claim those life insurance policies if they don't even know about them? So this is the kind of thing that's very, very helpful to have for your family. And it's the kind of thing you don't even think about. Uh, and it's... Especially getting passwords together. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, even if you 
talk to your spouse. Like, do you have all their passwords? They have your passwords, and and probably not. Do you know where they are? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And you were talking about uh, things that you may not even know are valuable. I have a friend who, who's been collecting hockey cards for years, and we were just talking, and uh, he's realizing that some of them are now like seriously valuable, like uh, enough that people would fight over them uh, and they could sell them. And I guess it's important to know if you have collectibles or paintings or, or things that are, are valuable that, that your, your family knows that they're valued. They may not even know. They may just put them in a box and give them to goodwill. Yeah, and I'm sure that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's talk about the process of, of uh, estate planning when it comes to Manning Elliott. Uh, you go to manningelliot.com. What's the first step that people will, will take to, to get their affairs in order? Well, if someone were to come to me and we have a meeting about what they are what they think they want in you know when they pass away, we'd start off with getting a list of all the assets. Basically, and when I say all the assets, I mean like not your bank accounts necessarily, but if you've got a portfolio that's not registered. In other words, you might have an RSP or a RIF portfolio, but you might have a portfolio that's not registered. So if that's the case, then what's the value of it? How much of a gain, a, uh, an appreciation of value is in that portfolio? Um, what will be the impact if you don't do anything and you pass away? Um, again, depending on who you plan to leave it to, will determine whether there's tax or no tax or big tax. Um, and um, and then we'd also look at probably look at your family and if you have a business or or you know are your children still young or your children you know out in the workforce and have their own families now so we we kind of take a a holistic approach and look at everything that you've got and then we would go through the steps of trying to determine if there's a way that we can mitigate your taxes down the road depending on your age you may decide that, or we may recommend that you set up a trust, for example. So some of these trusts that um, that are available would only be available if you're over 65. But the ability to put assets into a trust protects them not only from probate, it protects them from creditors. And if there perchance could be an issue with your family challenging your will because they didn't feel that they got their fair share, that is also protected if the assets are in a trust because the trust deed itself will dictate what happens to those assets. And um, it has to be worthwhile, obviously. If you've got a small asset base, it probably doesn't make sense because you've got to set it up, you've got to file tax returns every year and that sort of thing. But it would be something that we would consider when we looked at your whole picture. Mm-hmm. And how often, uh, when people come to Manning Elliott uh, to do some estate planning, how often is it that, uh, that somebody wants to leave most of it to one person and then maybe there's another kid or something that doesn't get anything or gets less or, or is that a common thing? I wouldn't say it's necessarily common, but it certainly happens. 
So, again, I can give you an example. So this couple um, came in, and I guess, you know, one of the kids is estranged, and there's, there's, you know, some significant assets. So they didn't want to totally cut out this other child, but they were definitely going to give him or her a lot less than the other one. And so because there could have been an issue with the will being tied up in the courts or whatever, we had recommended to them that they put their assets into a trust. And then it is what it is. Like, it, it's not like um, there's a very good chance that that one child could take the, take the trust deed to court and say, I didn't get my fair share because that's one of the purposes of having these trusts. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting because some, some people really want to share, like they want to have everything equal, and others are not so inclined. They would say, well, you know, this, this child did whatever extra for us, helped, you know, looked after us when we're older, so we're going to leave more of our portfolio to them, and we're only going to give certain assets to a different child, but it, it ranges. There's yeah. a huge range. And I guess it can get complicated at times. <laughs> oh, and every situation's different. It's not, it's not like, like, um, uh, there's no cookie cutters. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you need uh, professionals involved in your estate planning. And that's where Abby comes in. Abby Chivers is a partner with Manning Elliott. Go to manningelliot.com for uh, all the information about the firm. They've been around since 1952. Um, and when you're, when you're doing this kind of work, uh, planning your estate, uh, I guess it's also important that you choose an executor to the estate. Well, it's imperative. Right. <laughs> it's one of those things that um, is probably the first thing that you should think about when you're starting to put your will together because you need to hire, not to hire, excuse me, that's not the right term. Right. You need to choose an executor who will carry out your wishes. That's what their job is, is to carry out your wishes. And um, so you can, your executor can be your spouse, it can be your children, it can be a friend, it could be an institution or any combination of, of that. And some people feel that it's important to to have an institution involved because it can be a pretty stressful job. And although you might think, okay, well, it's just I don't have a big estate, you know, this will take no time at all. I'm working on an estate that we're in year seven. It was a very large estate, I have to say, but we're in year seven. We hope it'll be wrapped up this year. So you need to think about the person that you want to be your executor and talk to them about whether they want that job. Right. Because there's a lot involved. And sometimes is it a co-executor? Say you have two kids that you love equally. Are, sure. You, is it a co-executor deal? Oh, sure. Some people will just, yeah, two kids, three kids, whatever. Yeah, you just name the kids. You better hope that they're going to get along <laughs> at the point where they need to. So um, hopefully that will will not cause any issues. And that could be why some people decide to just name one, because then that one child can make the decisions. Right. Hopefully, again, in in um, cohorts with their with their siblings. But um, yeah, 
somebody needs to make a decision. And so you will often find, um, not often, sometimes you'll find that uh, if there's more than one executor named and they don't live in the same province or even in the same city, that the that one will decide to take take the reins and the other one will renounce because it's just going to be too complicated to have somebody where documents need to flow across borders or whatever. And if it's a U.S. executor, well, there's a whole other story with that, and I won't even get into it, but you need to be aware that if you've got a non-resident executor, there could be other tax implications. So, yeah, that's um, that's kind of the thought yeah and i guess yeah because you don't want to every document needs two signatures instead of one so i guess that's a bit of a pain um yeah yeah, and and that's a whole thing that we can't get into but uh if there's cross-border uh assets that's a very Mm -hmm. complicated thing and that's why you need you need some help on that yeah definitely yeah there's another uh another thing that we talk to people about it's not necessarily um something that you that goes with the will, but there's some documents that are really important for people to have. One of them is is the power of attorney. And I would suggest most young people don't even think about having something like that. The power of attorney is actually a legal document that will give one person permission to manage the other person's affairs if they aren't able to do so on their own. So if they get really sick and somebody needs to access the bank account, for example, the bank will require this document, the power of attorney, to be able to pay some bills, for example, for that person who may be in the hospital. Um, and that will will cease to be effective once that person dies. But but having spouses be the powers of attorney for each other is, is something that's very beneficial. Um, the other thing, uh, other document that we recommend is a representation agreement. Now, this is not something that people really want to, I mean, they don't want to talk about their will, but for this, they really don't want to talk about it because what it is, is it's you making a decision about what kind of interventions you might want to have taken, be taken for your, for you if you're sick. Um, in other words, if you can't make a decision and tell the doctors what you want or tell your family what you want, whether you want to be fed or be taken off life support or be given a blood transfusion or any of that kind of stuff, this legal document will be used to determine what has to happen when you get to different stages of an illness, for example. So the representation agreement appoints another person to make those decisions, which you hopefully have already documented, and then a health care directive, which is something that you would give to the health care providers, and again, dictates basically, if I'm, you know, at this stage of my illness, then I want you to do these things, but when I get to this next stage, I don't want you to do these things, and so it gives everybody peace of mind, because nobody's going to have to make a decision. You already made the decisions. So imagine everybody around a parent's bedside and the doctors are saying, well, we could do this and we could do this. And one sibling says, well, we should, we should have this done. And another sibling says, no, we shouldn't have this done. And you're all in an emotional state. It makes matters like it just takes everything out of the family's hands because it's already done. And that's why planning is crucial. Well, 
thank you, Abby. Uh, so people can get in contact with you through the website, manningelliot.com, or uh, I guess they could give you a phone call. What's your number? 604-714-3615. Well, thank you, Abby. Uh, you've made something that, uh, like we're all kind of in denial of, you made it kind of easy, and uh, that's why I, I recommend people go to manningelliot.com and uh, get their affairs in order. Thank you, Abby. Thanks very much. Right on. Abby Chivers is a partner with Manning Elliott. It is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to ask Andrew. That's when we ask Andrew, what's going on in the world? Andrew Ferreira is our executive producer at Vancouver Consumer, and uh, you've just hipped me to something that's a little disturbing for me because I, I have very large feet. I have size 14 feet. It's hard to find shoes to, to fit me. I often have to order them from the States. Uh, but you say uh, it might get worse uh, finding shoes that fit for everybody, not just freaks like me. Yeah. So, and before we go, let me preface this by saying I'm not a runner. I am like the opposite of a runner. Right. I am a sitter downer <laughs> or liar in better. Right. Um, but apparently... Uh, as with a bunch of things over the course of the pandemic, there have been supply crunches left, right, and center. Uh, you remember with the great toilet paper fiasco of 2020. Right. Uh, it will live in infamy. Yes. Uh, but now, uh, because of the lockdowns, people are starting to want to go outside more. The weather is starting to get a little bit nicer. Um, it's not as bone-chillingly cold all the time now. So people are heading outside. And when they're heading outside, they're looking for runners. They're looking for, you know, trail shoes. They're looking for trail runners. Yeah. And, of course, because everybody's looking for them, they're becoming harder and harder to find. Wow. Uh, a, uh, ben Nelson is a shoe buyer for the runner shop in Toronto. Uh, and this is what he said about it. It's a, quote, what I call a get what you can and when you can situation. Uh, so if that doesn't tip you off to what's happening... Uh, I'm not sure how to get that point across. Uh, the shoes are kind of uh, because especially during the beginning of the pandemic, factories shut down. And so, you know, they kind of coasted on stock for a while, if you will. You know, manufacturing has, you know, come up relatively quickly. Uh, but there's been a shortfall in some of the raw materials um, that have uh, that are necessary for making the shoes. Like air, Nike like, air. Exactly. Um and so this is problem isn't even, uh, you know, solely confined to people who are getting into running or, or hiking for the first time. Uh, cyclists uh, have been facing short uh, product shortages since last year. Um, so, you know, all of the things that we may have kind of gone, you know what, maybe I don't want to do it, that we've now gone, okay, maybe I have literally nothing else to do. Let's go for a walk. Uh, make sure you, you scour uh, far and wide because it might be harder than normal to find what you need. Wow. So, and those really, really tight cycling shirts, you can't find those. Nah. 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 Well, that's interesting. Well, thank, thank you, Andrew. That is uh, Andrew uh, Ferreira. He's the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. And that's it for us. We will see you back here Saturday, 2 o'clock on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.